Hello and welcome to Sneaker Report, your weekly run of all the latest sneaker news and all other photographic announcements that we found interesting. It's Constant here. And this is Becky. And it says the aftermath of that little indie camera announcement we called Nick and ZA. That's right. So what a week it has been, folks. We obviously have had plenty of coverage on it. We're going to go over all the bits and pieces that came out on the internet as it unfolded, all the reviews that we've had since then. So Nick and ZA came out. You all watched millions of videos on the internet. You all know the specifications. So let's not talk about this. And if you want to know about this camera because you lived under the rock for the last week, then do watch our live streams. We discuss it at length. But let's talk about new bits of information that just came in. Lots of tests has been done to the cameras already before the actual release. So let's start with the size comparison first. So here you have Z9, Z8 and Z7 cameras side by side. Mm -hmm. I think Z8 sits nicely in the middle. It's not too big, it's not too small, which is, I like. And for professional use, I think it's a perfect size and weight. Looking at weight, it is actually lighter than D850, which a lot of people comparing it with. Mm -hmm. And it's significantly lighter than Z9, which sits at 1.3 kilos. Yeah, it's just shy of 100 grams lighter than the D850. So if you are a D850 user and have been thinking about the Z8 as a possible lighter alternative, then that's definitely worth bearing in mind. I will say we have had a look at the grip comparison. So Z8 with the MBN 12 battery grip attached versus Z9, which obviously has the built-in grip, versus Z7, 2, Z6, 2, etc. with the MBN 11. Of those three, the Z8 with its battery grip is the biggest, and it's not pretty, I will say that. Are we going to call it an ugly duckling <laughs> of Z8? It is a little bit. It, it does feel like it doesn't feel like it was kind of well thought out just from the way that the Z8 kind of overhangs the edge of where the grip is if you look at the picture there's like there's just a few two millimeters of overhang there. do you think they hired someone on fiverr to design this grip <laughs> you know for a five dollars I, I don't know we haven't seen it in person so we've only seen pictures of it and maybe the handling of it is much better than the looks i will say from an aesthetic viewpoint it does not look very pretty yeah. to be honest if you're looking for a gripped camera i would look at the z9 before looking at the z8 because it is the tidiest and in fact the smallest of the three options yes it actually looks slim compared to z8 with a battery pack on the good thing about battery pack it's 349 pounds, which is not bad, is about the same as what MBD12 was back in the day. It does make it look bigger. The good news is you can always remove it and it gives the option for people who don't use grip very often, but need a grip for some reasons, you know. So let's say occasionally, like for me, if I was shooting in the studio, I would do a lot of portrait style shots, so not horizontal, but portrait. Then this is useful because it gives you obviously a second shot release button and the wheels, the command dials at the front and the back of it. So this is nice to have, but obviously when you're traveling, let's say you want to keep it small and light, then you can remove the grip. It's good to have it optional for people who don't need it, but if you do need a grip at all times, then Z9 is actually a better solution for that. Now, Richie had a really good video about it, so do have a look at his video. He goes through all the hot swaps, all the functions of the grip, and also the size comparison as well. That's right. Now, interesting things in terms of build quality of the camera. First of all, you know, when people start to go and talk about the build quality, they say, oh, it's not as good as Z9. The good news is it's as good as D850 and it's better than Z6 and Z7 Mark II cameras. Yeah. So don't be afraid. It still can be used under some harsh conditions. So that's the good news about it. And if you held D850 back in the day, you will know that it's actually it's a great camera. So Z8 would be as good as that. Now, this camera is also made from a very interesting and high-tech material. So this one's actually called 
Cerebo. Yeah. It's a carbon fiber reinforced thermoplastic. Here you go. Mm. Sounds good, isn't it? It sounds great. Now, now, what you need to know what it is and how strong it is, have a look at this video that we've uh, put in the comments below. And it's about this car, which was designed from that material. And they do the crash tests and they show how strong this material is. So it's actually, when we say, oh, it's just a bit of plastic, it's a bit of a very, very, very strong plastic. Yes. Now let's talk about what is the difference between Nikon Z8 and Z9 cameras. Yes, I'll make Tom a.k.a. Tom Hogan. Who is back from his holiday. He is. He wrote an article recently that said, what does the Z8 have that the Z9 doesn't? And there are a few bits and pieces that are worth noting here. So first of all, we have 10-bit HIF support, high-efficiency image format. Yeah, I think this will come where the film will update for Nikon Z9 in the future, personally. We do believe so. There is a new tone mode menu item, which is in your picture controls. Okay, though, so that uh, looks like it's for video work. Mm -hmm. Then we also have portrait impression balance, mm -hmm. skin softening function, which is available in both stills and video. We all need that. There are autofocus improvements, dedicated airplane detection, for example, silhouette focus and smaller faces detected, which is good. Fantastic. Uh, USB LAN capability. So while the camera doesn't have the LAN port mm. to connect your camera to the internet, to the network, it's actually you can do it via USB-C port. Yes. So there are adapters you can buy and it is supported within the camera. So when people said, oh, it doesn't have that and it's a deal breaker, well, there is an option to have that functionality within Nikon Z8. That's right. In addition to a USB-C port for the LAN capability, you've also got a separate USB-C port for power delivery. So rather than having one USB-C port, you've actually got two now, which is super handy. Yeah, also within video functionality, there's a high-log gamma video type, and Z8 has a base ISO 400, and Z9 is 800, and N-log both are 800 ISO. Small change there, not sure if that can be changed with a wireframe upgrade, but uh, here you go for video use, it might be useful to know. Now, what's Z9? has over Z8, Becky. So what the Z8 doesn't have over the Z9 is there's obviously no built-in vertical grip and controls. Instead, you have the optional battery pack. You've got no built-in GPS and logging. Instead, you have to use SnapBridge from your phone. There's no built-in Ethernet. However, a dongle can unlock these Ethernet and network settings if you desperately need it. Everyone loves a good dongle. That's right. No Kensington lock for professionals who want to lock their camera on pitch side, let's say, or at a professional event. Yeah, Nikon, for example, had it at Photo London last year. You could still remove that 58 knocked lens and run away with it, but the camera would stay in place the securely. Lens. Yeah, the lens didn't have a Kensington lock. The Z8, as some of you will have noticed, has one CF Express and one SD card slot, while the Z9 has dual CF Express slots, which can be quite important. Yeah, keep that in mind. We will come back to that later, and that's going to be a deal breaker for some. Yes. We will tell you why. Stay tuned. There is no lock on the card door of the Z8, whereas there is on the Z9. There's no function 4 button, and the function 3 button moves to the protect button or lock button on the camera. There's no extra button row beneath the LCD, which comes as standard with any camera that doesn't have a built-in grip. Mm -hmm. There's no custom setting menu D3, which is limit release mode. It's very specific. Very specific. There's no PC sync socket. So for those of you who use perhaps old-style 
flashes, then that could be quite important for you or if you have accessories that are PC sync socket compatible specifically. Yeah, I'm just thinking if your photography is coming back into the fashion, do you think the PC socket will come back as well? I doubt it. Yeah? Yeah, I really do. you think do. we all used to our wireless triggers now? Yes. Interesting. A little bit. We have no flash button on the top button cluster. We've got white balance position there instead, which mm -hmm. is an interesting move, but not necessarily a deal breaker for anyone. Mm -hmm. The Z9 has a full magnesium frame. As discussed, the Z8 has this partial carbon fiber frame coupled with magnesium alloy. Do watch that car video. It will tell you how strong it is. So for me, actually, I thought, as well as everyone thought, Oh, you know, carbon fiber, whatever, you know, plastic, plastic, you know, is fantastic. But actually, it is very, very strong. Super strong. Yeah. The Z8 has a slightly shorter video recording time of 90 minutes versus the 125 minutes that's available on the Z9. However, even that has some caveats, which we will also talk about later. Exactly. Now, pre-orders are open and the camera is available for pre-orders pretty much everywhere in the world, but you're welcome to call Grace Westminster and place your order with us if you want to. The camera is also available with a 24 to 120F4 kit and being honest with you, it's the best 24 to 120 they ever made. For some of you who watched us in the past, you know how much I love the F-mount version of this lens, but the Z version is superb. Mm -hmm. Now, as we mentioned, there is the MBN12, which was announced at the same time. And alongside that was also an EH8P AC adapter for the Z8, which is essentially a quick charging block for USB-C power delivered cameras. Yeah, what's interesting about it is got a 45 volt output. Mm -hmm. and also it's got power delivery functionality, obviously, so you can use the camera while you're charging, yada, yada, yada. So, but 45 volts, I wonder if you obviously got a, a MacBook charger or something like this, would that work? Yes, I, I think, think it, it would. would. Um, I can tell you from experience over recent times, basically since the Z9 came out, we've had many people with issues to do with power delivery and charging their batteries in camera because not all chargers are created equal and not all USB-C cables are created with that level of power delivery in mind. Indeed. Um, we've had many people say, I've got a Z9 and my charger doesn't work. It's usually because they're using the wrong cable for it. Small point, but quite an important point. So the fact that Nikon have brought out an actual block itself, an EH8P, as it's called over here in the UK, is quite helpful. It just means that if there was any doubt about what you could use to charge your camera up while using it at the same time, now Nikon have provided a solution. There are third-party solutions out there. You just need to trial and error until you get the right one. Here's an interesting thing. So some people ask, why wouldn't you use, let's say, EH7P, a previous AC adapter with Z8? Well, the difference is actually EH7P has a 15 volts output instead of 45. Here you go. Here you go. All right. So, Nikon Z8 brochure came out as well, full of pictures. It is lovely. It's yeah. a lovely piece of art, actually, the brochure that they produce for that. It shows all the different types of photography that the Z8 can be used for, as well as the videography aspect of it as well, which obviously is a key point for Nikon at the moment. And in addition to that, SmallRig have announced an accessory ecosystem for the Z8. So, whether you're a stills or a videographer, SmallRig have something for you. You know what I like about SmallRig? that it's not as expensive as Kirk or really right stuff. Yeah. And that's the good thing about it. And it's really great quality stuff. Yeah, and I really like that Nikon works with them, Just, you know, because one of the things when you buy an expensive cameras and then, you know, you may need to spend 
a lot of money for accessories. So in this case, actually, the batteries, the Nikon batteries, are not that expensive compared to NA or 18D. So you can buy a spare one, and the battery life, for me personally, is not an issue because you can buy a spare one, and it's not like 150 pounds or so. Yeah. Now, those cages that are available from small rig, they're reasonably priced. So the cheapest cage is uh, $60 effectively. Then they do a cage kit, which comes with extra accessories for $110. And they also do a cage that will take MB and 12 battery pack, and you can wrap it around the camera, for £103. Now, they also announced an L-plate that will fit Z8 nicely as well. It's not available for the pre-order yet, but looking at the past, those were priced about $40, $50 as well. So I don't expect them to be very expensive. No. Now, on to some first-look videos for you. We have two months with the Nikon Z8 with Rishi. He includes sample images, a focus test, and also size comparison. Yeah, we are filming a video which is called 20 years with Nikon Z8. It uh, <laughs> should be out any time now, any year, I would say. <laughs> and then we also have Rishi's Z8 Grip MBN12 Overview, which I highly recommend having a look at if you are interested in the differences between the sizes of the Z7, 2 Z6, etc. with their grip Z9 and the Z8 with its grip. Yeah, now let's look at some tests. So Mark Grange has done a really, really good thing for the community. He tested Nikon Z8 and Nikon Z9 side by side and he tested three things. So first of all, he tested the buffer, speed and FPS. He compared it with Z9 as well. And the takeaways from this video is if you are shooting on CF Express card, then Z8 is going to be as good as Z9. However, if you shoot and record to both cards at the same time, then Z8 is as fast as your fastest SD cards. And the fastest SD cards, if I'm not mistaken, is about 300 megabytes per second right at the moment, while CF Express cards are much, much faster nowadays. Yeah. So if you think about it, that's where I think we start to see a big difference between the cameras. So when a lot of people say that there is mini Z9, yes it is, but there's a lot of little caveats where in certain users will become apparent that one camera is better than another. And in this case, if you're a professional photographer and you're recording to both cards and you're shooting at 20 frames per second in full raw capacity, mm -hmm. then a Z9 will definitely outperform Z8. That's right. And now if we look at overheating, because this is a big deal when it comes to shooting 4K and 8K video, Matt Granger has delivered once again. He did a comparison with the Z8 and the Z9 side by side, and he timed, and it's well worth watching this video, but he timed when each camera would show the hot card notice and then the hot camera notice, and the Z8 eventually would obviously have its, its thermal cutout switch off where it's protecting its own electronics by switching off. He did it with all the different video formats. He included the fact that obviously the Z9 will have issues in certain shooting environments. If it's a hot day and you're shooting in bright sunlight, that's going to be in, that's going to speed up the process of overheating. But essentially, the smaller body equals smaller recording time at those very high output video frame rates. So it's it's really really interesting to watch. He speeds up the footage so you don't have to watch like two hours of, no, of the things. I was getting ready. It's it's basically I would finish the Lords of the Rings trilogy <laughs> and then I would move on to this. He should do definitely. An and the cart of this. Well, it's only 15 minutes, so you can probably catch that, you know, in between <laughs> in between movies. I demand extended <laughs> cut, my Granger, please. But interesting takeaway, he says that he wouldn't buy Z8 for video, but with caveats, he's shooting 8K, he's using 8K extensively. And I think we talked between us what 8K is useful as a for our needs. And the good thing about this is you can take one shot and basically do the crops. 
because you will output in 4K anyway. So 8K is useful for that. So you can have basically a one shot and a close up shot at the same time without losing too much detail. So we, we still do it, but obviously yeah. the close up shot may look a little bit blurred because it's actually maybe in 1080p enlarged. So that's thing number one. The thing number two, the times that he shows where the camera overheats, they're not like five minutes in or anything like this. So, no. so generally it's quite a significant time before you start to get the warning. And then there is additional time when the camera actually shuts down. So I think the takeaway here is if you are planning to record something very long, so close to an hour long footage nonstop, then you may want to look into Z9. But if let's say you are like us, where we do a take maybe a one, two minute long take, mm -hmm. then it's not an issue at all. Again, for live streaming, you're not going to output an AK for now. Like most of the software is 720p anyway. Mm -hmm. Some of them got 1080p. There's no 4K live streaming at the moment just because internet doesn't support that. So, But I would say if you don't shoot long takes for video and you just don't buy the, this camera for video use only, then ZA is actually a very capable camera for a lot of videographers. But for some really, really high-level pro users, then you may want to look into Z9 for this. And again, bigger body allows to dissipate that heat a lot more efficient compared to a smaller body. And actually this thing I thought before when the Z9 came out and they talked that we've got this AK now mm. and how good it is that it can shoot this and A1 had this overheating issues. That's right. You know, because of the smaller body. So we're now starting to see this there, but actually the design of Z8 allows for much longer recording times. So I personally think, let's say for us, mm. if you're going to get a good deal on Z8, <laughs> then, you know, we, we'll be happy to replace our Z6 for our video works. Just get one each. Exactly. Okay. Now, our next comparison by Matt Granger was the Z8 versus the D850 in a portrait shootout because honestly, this is the test we've all been waiting for, I think. Um, a couple of conclusions he made, the Z lenses are much better than the F-mount lenses. I think that's a bit of a given and we're glad that he's confirmed that fact. Another point he mentioned is actually autofocus. So obviously, D850 has focusing points, most of them are kind of in the middle of the frame. You can see when you look through the optical viewfinder, you see that little frame and the points are there. Also keep in mind that not all the points are cross type. No. So it will struggle in low light in certain areas and you may need to focus and recompose in certain areas. So mirrorless system allows to have those AF sensors across the sensor effectively and all of them are cross type. So in terms of this, while the 850 focus is very good, the Z8 focus will perform better on a regular use as well as low light. So it's one of the things that I didn't think of when I thought about this comparison. So in my opinion, mm -hmm. in my opinion, while I agree that Z lenses are much better, mm -hmm. I don't think that I have to replace all F mounts to Z mounts just to get this minimal increase in quality. I think F mount lenses are really, really good. For sure. I think the resolution that the 850 gives you is basically the same resolution. It's a much a slower sensor. So really, I would say, depending on your approach, if you do shoot in available light, and a lot of it is low light, then Z8 will outperform better. But if you do shoot in the studio, let's say at preset ISO, and your setup is mostly the same, then you may find that your D850 will produce very similar results to Z8. But yes, if you shoot a bit of everything, Z8 is basically all-rounder. It's not a studio camera, it's not a landscape camera, wildlife camera. It's basically a perfect all-rounder for a lot of people. But for heavy pro users, that's where you'll start to see and look at the different cameras that say Z9. 
Yes. Now, the last point that he made was that the low light performance of the Z8 was better. And I wasn't sure whether this was just autofocus or also noise handling, because it's a really big deal for some photographers to have an, an impressive low light handling. I would say, would you not say, because the D850 was always considered the best all-rounder DSLR. Yes. And would you agree that the, it sounds like the Z8 is the best all-rounder Z body at this point? I, I would say yes, but the price is quite high. Yeah. So I think, I think a lot of people will wait for this uh, Z6 Mark III or Z7 Mark III camera mm. for their all-rounder. But if you look at what you get for the price, yes. It's a really good value, but it still price out a lot of people out of the camera. So a lot of people say it's a, it's a true replacement of the 850. I agree to about 90% of that statement. Okay. So, so there's certain caveats that uh, I feel that we could do differently. Yes. Now, in terms of other hands-on first looks, we had uh, Steve Perry's hands-on Q&A. He did a live stream on the Z8. He has one in his hands in that video. We have our own live stream that we did straight after the launch. It was literally an hour after the launch. We had the camera in our hands and we did a brief live stream from the launch itself at Somerset House. Then on the Friday, we did a bit more of an in-depth Q&A uh, live stream. Then we had the lovely Seth Miranda from Adorama with Joe McNally, our friend, and they did a hands-on video with what they called Nikon Z8, the mini flagship. So definitely check those out. Yeah, and if you haven't had enough, Becca from Verge yeah. had a video. Now, she likes the camera. She thinks Nikon is now competitive with everyone else. That's great. Now, why Verge is important to you? I mean, I keep telling that to everyone because everyone watches Verge, not just photography enthusiasts, right. but electronic enthusiasts. So, and just looking at this video, this video was watched by 44,000 people, there you know, you and those people are much younger and hipper than you and me. <laughs> <laughs> Present company accepted. Then we had the wonderful Matt Irwin who had a week of hands-on with the Z8. He called it WOW. The Z8 here is what, he, what the name of his video is. Definitely check out those if you're interested and want to see all the hype and all, the, all of our favorite YouTubers getting hands-on with the camera because it's definitely worth a watch. We're hoping to get one once again in our hands very, very soon. Absolutely. He also had a live stream as well where he discussed the camera. I think everyone had this brilliant idea of doing live streams when the camera is released. Mm -hmm. So I think we should do it all the time. So... <laughs> Uh, All at the same time. And then we can just hop on and hop off from one stream to another. That's right. Whew, I'm really glad we stopped talking rumors finally and we can talk about the facts about the camera. The camera is out and we can deliver a proper normal analytical discussion, not what someone wrote on a toilet seat <laughs> and posted online. <laughs> So in other Nikon news for you, we have the Z30 with its firmware update. Version 1.10 has been released. Oh yeah, they fixed a bunch of stuff, thank you. Fixed a bunch of stuff. They added support for the iOS edition of NX Mobile Air. They added support for the MCN10 grip, which is an interesting one. They added support for the power zoom feature available on some lenses. I assume we're talking 12 to 28 here because that is the only power zoom lens available mm -hmm. so far. The red frame is now displayed around the monitor during video recording. That's a nice. A la Z9. A la Z9. Yeah, exactly. Now your Z30 can feel fabulous. Yes. The elapsed recording time is now displayed during video recording. That was some feedback we'd also heard, so I'm glad mm -hmm. that they've implemented that. Okay, so this next one is a big deal because okay. I we 
I spent many an hour trying, all of us, all of us, all of me, with MPS trying to work out why the MLL7 wouldn't do this function, and it now does thanks to a firmware update. Flew all the way to Japan. I did to complain. So the camera will now focus with each shot taken using an MLL7 if AFC is selected and release is set in the custom settings menu. This is surprisingly a big deal. If you want to use the MLL7. In the past, you had to turn the camera off and then turn it back on and repair it every time you wanted to refocus with the MLL7 in AFC. Sell your Z8 and buy a Z30. Yeah. Autofocus has been improved so that focus position will not change if the shutter release button is pressed halfway during memory recall. Well, at least Z30 gets Autofocus firmware upgrades. It does. And the focus point selection for self-portrait mode has been improved when using an MLL7. So quite a few very handy updates. If you're a Z30 owner, then I think you'll probably appreciate those. Yeah, and then let's move on to some price increases. So Ooh. apparently, Nikon Japan announced a price increase for more than 50 products, including Z9 camera and some Z products, as well as F-mount lenses. So what do they say, Becky? They say, in a harsh environment, such as the recent surge in raw material costs. I'm going to put hurricanes. And yeah, just, no, that's know, what it feels like. In the video, it feels yes. so dramatic. Yes. I, should do, I should narrate audio We, we should go like this in a harsh environment. <laughs> we just, you know, we pretend we're walking. You know. In a harsh environment, such as the recent surge in raw material costs, we have been working to reduce costs by promoting efficiency and rationalization. But we have reached a situation where corporate efforts alone cannot absorb cost increases in the medium to long term. So we have decided to revise prices. All right. So I said. Yes, you did. Says, no, but it says I said at the end of that sentence. <laughs> Thank you, Google Translate, for this wonderful translation and interpretation of a beautiful Japanese language. Now, a quick interesting comment that I saw online. So apparently, the previous price of Z9 was 698,000 yen, and now it's 778. So it's about 10.6% price increase. Now, that is equivalent of $6,380 or 6,150 pounds or 6,440 euros. Thank you, Matt underscore 007 for this valuable comparison. So now suddenly, you know, if you look at this equivalence of 6,150 pounds, now Z9 at 5,399 pounds, including VAT, mm. which is 20% in the UK, it looks pretty good deal. Sounds quite attractive, doesn't it? Yeah. And keep that in mind because who knows if they raise the price in Japan, they haven't raised prices anywhere else, but the price rise may be coming. Mm -hmm. And then I think if you're planning to buy a camera, then it may be worth considering in buying it now before the potential price increase. But hopefully it doesn't happen, of course. Yes, and we would hope to get plenty of warning if that were going to happen. Tom Hogan made a comment in the article, your reaction may wary discussing the Z8 pricing in different regions. He has this to say, if I'm not mistaken, Nikon costs many of their production bits using the Thailand butt, which has had a relatively stable relationship with the dollar, e.g. narrower range. Since the start of this year, the yen has depreciated about 5% against the dollar, while the bahat has gained about 3% against the dollar. This is probably one of the reasons why prices for Nikon products in Japan are being raised. While I risk dropping into politics, the lack of agreement on the US debt limit at the moment has the chance to escalate into real pricing changes for goods. That $4,000 US price on the Z8 looks good now, but a dollar devaluation of any significance will raise that price pretty rapidly. This is the only explanation I found about the price increase. Mm. And it actually makes sense, in my opinion. But the question is, yeah, what's going to happen next? So will it come 
to the Euroland or United States of the world. Uh, you know, you never know. So let's let's wait and see. But I agree that the price that we have now may not be set in stone for a long time. The good news is that Nikon's UK and Europe summer promotions have just started and they run until the 24th of July. So there are some tremendous savings on new Nikon equipment. It includes 60 or 70 different products. It includes the D850, many of the Z cameras, most of the Z lenses, a few F-mount lenses, speed lights, and binoculars to boot. So if you were looking for an incentive to buy yourself that new shiny lens, then here it is for you. It starts now and, as I say, ends on the 24th of July. So at least for the time being... And certainly until the end of that promotion, we won't be seeing any price increases. Thank goodness for that. The summer is officially here. Now, moving on to some Nikon Corp news. Apparently, Nikon Japan removes pay cut for the top highest in Scramble for talent. So apparently, they used to have a pay structure mm. to the top people coming to the company. They decided to scrap all that to attract the talent coming to the company with the hope to create a cutting-edge product. Do you think? They would like to employ us. <laughs> we are clearly a cutting edge. We are cutting talent. edge talent. <laughs> we're not even a creator, we're talent, you know. But we're just talent. There's nothing else. There's nothing to, to base anything else on. So, what I want is that eight is 100 megapixel sensor, 500 frames a second. Very good at making wish lists. Double A batches. <laughs> <laughs> no, three plays. I want a 135F 0.95 <laughs> and I want it to weigh 500 grams. 14 to 600 F 1.2. <laughs> Hire us, please. So what does it say, Becky? Okay, it says Nikon will expand hiring for jobs with no upper limit on pay in a bid to attract engineers and other highly skilled professionals from outside the company. Nikkei has just learned. The new employment program, which is separate from Nikon's regular hiring and compensation, is designed to attract talent that cannot easily be fostered within the company. The move comes as Japanese companies face tough global competition for professionals able to drive innovation and expansion into new markets. Mm. Do you think that will allow Nikon to hire people in the Western world? I would think so. I think the idea is that they want to hire people the world over with a particular set of skills. <laughs> Sounds like uh, you're recording the monologue from Take. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a man with That's right. a set of particular that skills. That was the reference I was going yeah. for. This is where this podcast is going today. Mm. So, yes, I think that they are probably aiming to employ people from all over the world and not having that pay cap probably makes it a little bit more, I would say, interesting to people who are perhaps not based in Japan or or in the regions that are designing and developing these things if they think oh I could use my skills over there yeah well the interesting thing a couple of weeks ago we mentioned that actually Nikon opened a new company in California yeah the first one in what over 100 years for Nikon and uh, that is designed for um, 3d printed and all that but 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 they could actually involve some other people. Where, where do you think the Western influence would help Nikon? What kind of aspects they can improve? Obviously, a lot of people think that that probably would help them to do with some medical manufacturing and things like this. But if we talk cameras, where do you think kind of Western development is better than the Japanese development? Is it hardware? Is it software? Is it the interface? I would say that although I don't have a huge amount of experience in, you know, Japanese technologies when it comes to AI development. I do feel like we are being quite heavily influenced and making quite a lot of progress 
at least. Yeah, I mean, the tech is good, right? The hardware is good. Yeah, the te- the, exactly. The hardware is amazing. I think that the more AI algorithms we can include in future equipment, and not just imaging equipment, but obviously other equipment as well, um, because Nikon have many branches and they do many, many things. I think that um, that's probably where they need to strengthen, and perhaps that's where they're kind of going with, with this whole new company creation. Would you think that improved just overall kind of user interface as well as the you know feature set of the cameras that make them more a phone-like in terms of image, let's say, especially for the, let's say, people who don't want the full control of the all aspects of photography, but who just want to take a great picture straight out of the box? Yeah, I would definitely say so. I have friends who have bought cameras recently, you know, because they've seen my pictures and they've gone, oh, I want to take pictures like you. And so I've bought myself, you know, a little starting starting camera. And then they go, why does my phone take better pictures? So because you need to learn how to use your camera. But it is quite a significant point. There are people that need to have that gap bridged by AI technology or by the software that is already built into our little phones that we carry around with us everywhere. So I think it could be a really positive thing for Nikon. Do you think they would include some sort of gamifying features for like tasks completed and all that? Uh, that, I would hate that personally. But. You've took a picture. It's a one picture that you've got 100 Nikon points. Yeah. One million Nikon points gets you a landscape. Yeah, I mean, I did wonder if at some point, and we were almost there when it came to SnapBridge and Nikon image space, but I wondered if at some point Nikon would would create a way for you to share your images directly onto social media and track the performance of your images. And I personally hate that concept, but I know a lot of people that would probably really quite like it. Could you imagine? I can. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, if you see me, I'm already, I'm going deep there. You know, I'm, I'm really going deep and it's a, it's a rabbit hole. And the thing is, pure photographers and us would say no. But, but if you can shift more units, which is win-win for photography industry, I think, mm-hmm. then why not do this as long as we're allowed to have our manual controls as long as those are not taken away, we should be fine. And you can yeah. introduce as much automation as possible. Yeah, as long as you can switch it all off if you don't like it, I think there's no harm in adding additional features to make cameras you know, more accessible to more people. And that is definitely where Nikon is missing a trick at the moment is that entry level point where there are other manufacturers that are really catering to new photographers. And I think the Z30... As, as strong a camera as it actually is, is not the right price point. There needs to be something even cheaper than that as, a, as an access point. Yeah, if you like this type of segments where we take a news and talk about completely different things, then uh, do, uh, let us know in the comments below. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now let's move on to some third party news. So the good news is the Voigtlander Nocturne F-mount 55mm f1.2 lens is launching this week apparently in what, Japan. What? So it's May 16th and it's available for pre-order now at Grace Westminster as well as all over the world. I mean... Very interesting lens, again, for us F-mount users, the rendering is very pretty, it's kind of very dreamy. Mm-hmm. They are like Nikon lens as well as the Voitland lens to compare it to, but I am actually excited about Christina Voitland releasing F-mount lenses. Yes. You know, so F-mount is not all forgotten. Now, Tiarsen, who released the 27mm a couple of weeks ago, which we actually filmed a review on, they released a firmware update, which improves its compatibility with the Nikon Z30. That's excellent. And it potentially 
could improve compatibility with other cameras because we had a pre-production model, remember? We did. And uh, we did notice a slight delay when turning on the camera. Yeah, it did freeze sometimes. So it would be amazing if it would, would improve compatibility with other cameras as well. Well, I guess there's one way to find out. I'm going to update the lens and I'll share it with you about two years later. Now, they also updated the firmware on the autofocus 32mm f2.8Z lens as well for the same reason. That's true. And then Wheelchucks updated pretty much all of their autofocus Nikon Z lenses as well. They basically fixed compatibility with some models, but they actually don't specify what that is. Maybe Z8 compatibility? Possibly not, but we'll see. Now let's move on to reviews. We have two reviews for you today. First one comes from Hudson Henry Photographer, and he reviews an epic new H5-1.2S lens. Yeah, and he says, but do you need it? Which is a great question. <laughs> we all need it, let's be honest. I mean, we all need Z8, Z9, H5, everything. One of everything. Can we afford it? That's a different question. Our other review is from yours truly. We were out and about in London, Borough Market and other areas with the Z26mm f2.8 pancake. This review went out this weekend. We do have more reviews and tests to do with the lens compared to other lenses that are out there that we're looking forward to getting out. But have a watch of that if you get a spare moment. And speaking of watching, your weekend read and watch, which we haven't done for a few weeks. If you are tired of digital photography with all the Z8 news, here's some part three of Kodak factory visit. This one is about how they make perforation holes at the factory, 384,000 holes per minute. Oh my goodness. That's by Smart Every Day and you can go and check that out this weekend. Yeah, there were more news like uh, Nikon financials and SIPA numbers which we haven't covered. There are more discussions to have what Z7 Mark III and Z6 Mark III will be. We're not going to have it today because otherwise we're going to have a four-hour long podcast. But we will leave it for next week's. That's right, we will. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us this week. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching and or listening. Please give us a like and subscribe. If you're on YouTube, give us a follow, a rating, possibly even a review if you're listening on a podcast platform. Did you know that we're available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify's all the world? There's a YouTube Music as well, which now features... Crazy always missed the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. So if you actually listen to us on the podcast platforms, did you know that we have a YouTube channel and we post lots of different things in there like lens reviews, live streams, all sorts of neat and things. That's right. In the meantime, if you'd like to find us on the internet, you can locate us on Instagram. Sometimes we post pictures. Yeah, from the lens that we review on this channel. That's right. So I am at Rebecca underscore Danese. The shop is at Nikon at Grace. And I'm at Constantine Kochkin. We will see you next week. Thank bye you. Bye-bye.